Alleluia. Peace be with you from our risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God for our special meditation this morning, this Easter festival, is two verses of our second lesson, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 19 and 20, as already read and printed in your bulletin. Dear friends and followers of the risen Christ, having an elephant in the room brings a lot of stress, even fear, into your life. That's because it brings so much uncertainty. Are we going to acknowledge the elephant in the room or pretend it's not there? Is it a friendly elephant? A well-behaved elephant? Is it going to stay where it is? Or is it going to start moving around? Try to sit on the couch? Grab a book off the shelf? Eat peanuts out of the bowl? Or, what will really worry you the most, is that elephant going to hurt or even crush me? Of course, the elephant in the room is just an expression used to refer to something really big that nobody seems to want to talk about. But that just creates stress and fear because of the uncertainty it brings. Is the situation going to get worse? Is the problem going to be dealt with at all? Is anyone going to do anything? Is there anything that can be done? And, of course, how is this going to affect me and the people and the things that I care about? Some would say that right now, the coronavirus is the elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about, that, that people keep pretending that it's not a serious problem and acting that way too. Of course, those people will take the opposite view, that the pandemic is all overblown, that it's being used to keep us from talking about other problems. Either way, of course, there is uncertainty. It creates stress both for individuals and for our society as a whole, and, and for many people, there's a lot of fear involved. Politics can be the same way. It especially seems lately that each side paints a win by the other side as the end of the nation as we know it, which makes the whole process even more charged with tension and, and terror. Instead of the way it used to be, when we trusted that basic values and realities would remain the same no matter who got elected, now there is a much deeper uncertainty. And of course, there are the things in our personal lives that keep changing or that threaten to change, and we don't know how or if we will adjust. Maybe it's your mother's health. Maybe it's your own Perhaps it's your job, you lost yours, or you fear you might. Maybe there is a relationship in your life that you thought was sure and solid that now seems more like fog. Perhaps there's simply something new that is alternately exciting and terrifying. But the biggest uncertainty is one that every person shares and is also the elephant in the room that pretty much no one wants to talk about. 
often even those whom that elephant is looming over and about to crush. Death. There are families and entire cultures in which asking your 90-year-old mother, say, Mom, uh, what plans have you made for when you die is absolutely taboo. And a young person talking about death is considered the worst kind of unlucky. But everybody dies. But people in general don't like to talk about it because it's sad when it happens to people we care about, and even more because we ourselves are afraid of dying. We don't understand it. We are unsure of what will happen, and we are quite sure that we won't enjoy the experience. And perhaps the greatest uncertainty of all about death is that it could happen at any time. An aneurysm an accident, a a random act of violence or an undiscovered allergy could take us in an instant. So what do we hope for then? What can we hope for? I hope to die peacefully in my sleep at a ripe old age. I hope that whatever happens, happens quickly without me even knowing it. I hope that whatever takes me, takes me slowly enough that I can wrap up my affairs and say all my goodbyes first. Those are common hopes, wishes about death. But what about other uncertainties? I hope that we can beat back this virus soon so life can go back to normal. I hope I can find a new job this month before my money runs out. I hope I don't get any sicker. I hope Grandma's able to hold on long enough for me to get to see her. I hope he forgives me. I hope she takes me back. I hope we don't have to wait too long. I hope I like the new pastor when he comes. And those, too, are wishes and desires expressed as hopes. We want to believe things will be better, or at least not get worse than they are now. We want certainty about the things that matter to us. But when those things and our times are uncertain, those kinds of hope are not a whole lot of help. And so it is good to be here this morning because Easter is God's gift of certainty and of a a different kind of hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead gives us hope that is sure and unshakable and that we know will come true. Imagine that you're a a teenager at a a big family gathering and one of your uncles is sitting across the table from you doing something with his phone. You ask him if it's the latest iPhone and, and he says it is and he starts talking about how great it is. And you make a comment about how it would be nice to have a new phone since the one that your parents gave you is to use is, is six years old. And then Uncle Bill says, oh, really? Well, in that case, I'll have to get you one of these. Your birthday is next month, right? 
I'll, I'll buy one and bring it by. Well, you say, wow, thanks. But later, you start thinking about the times that Uncle Bill has promised you a puppy, a gaming system, a day at the beach, and, and so many other things that he never delivered on, though there were some great birthday presents along the way. And so the next month, when your friends ask you what you're getting for your birthday, you say, well, I hope my Uncle Bill is getting me a new iPhone. You're not confident. You're probably not even letting yourself be terribly optimistic. It is uncertain because Uncle Bill is unreliable. But Christ's resurrection from the dead proves that God is absolutely and unquestionably reliable. Through the voices of the Old Testament prophets, the Lord said that the Messiah would defeat death, and he did. Jesus told his disciples numerous times that after he suffered and died, he would rise again, and he did. And saying, watch this, on the third day, I am going to stop being dead and be alive again, and then actually doing it, is pretty much the strongest argument there is that you can be counted on to keep your word no matter what you say. And Christ always did and always will. Everything that God has ever promised or threatened has come true or will come true if, it is if its time hasn't come yet. It is certain. Because the Lord, our Redeemer, is reliable. And that's putting it mildly. Of course, the biggest thing of all that God promised is what He promised already to our first parents in the Garden of Eden, immediately after they brought sin into the world and, and cursed us with death because of it. The biggest thing of all is that God promised He would send a Savior to deliver us, to take away our sins, to defeat the devil, to undo death, and to rescue us from hell. Jesus was and is that Savior. And we were and we are the sinners in desperate need of His deliverance. That is not uncertain. Now, we might like to think of ourselves as basically good or good enough, especially if we compare ourselves to other people. But there is no good enough when God's standard is perfect holiness and absolute obedience to His will. That is what is required to live in His presence. And, and that is what we want to do when we die. Because the alternative, which is what our sins have earned us, is eternal damnation. Separation from the love of God in the place of torment prepared for the devil and his angels. But God has never wanted us in hell. He wants us to live 
and to live forever in joy and peace with him in heaven. And so his love prompted him to solve our problem of sin since we never could. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, to take the punishment that we all deserved and to provide the perfection that we all were lacking. And Jesus did. He fulfilled his mission and fulfilled everything that had been said about him. He lived a life of obedience so that His righteousness could be given to us and He paid the price of our disobedience, wickedness, and rebellion by suffering and dying on the cross. Everything God promised, Christ did. And so we can count on that salvation. We do not merely wish that our sins would be forgiven or deeply desire that the devil would have no power over us and hell not be our destiny. These things have been done for us. They are sure, they are certain, and they are yours because Jesus was crucified for you and because His Father raised Him from the dead for you. Believe it. Count on it. Your deepest needs have all been satisfied for good forever by Jesus. This is your certain hope. But it is not the only hope that is certain. All those other things that cause you stress and even fear, You do not need to worry about them. God has made abundant promises, and you know that He keeps His promises always. Before He ascended into heaven, Jesus promised to always be with us, and He is. No matter where we are, we are never alone. Throughout the Scriptures, the Lord makes clear that He knows every danger, challenge, dream, need, and problem in our lives and that He cares for us through and for all of them. The One who shaped the earth and placed the planets has the power to move mountains and still storms, which means that He has more than enough power to do what needs to be done to protect and provide for us. We even have the amazing promise that Jesus made us that whatever we ask the Father for in His name, we will be given. So you never need to say, I hope God forgives me, or I hope Jesus loves me, or I hope the Lord takes care of me like He said He would you know He will. It is certain, even in the most uncertain times. The evidence is the cross of Christ and His empty tomb. God did what He said He would do, and He always will. But there is something more that we want to stress this morning. In our text, the Apostle Paul wrote, if our Hope in Christ applies only to this life. We are the most pitiful people of all. Now, for many people, the only purpose of hope 
is to help you get through the day, the month, the year with thoughts of something better. And that's it. And yes, our hope in Christ does help us get through the day of our days of our lives with, with thoughts of something better. But if, if that was all our hope was for, then we might truly deserve to be mocked for holding on to an empty and ultimately useless faith like, like a child trusting that his blanket will protect him from monsters under his bed. If our hope were only for this life and these times, it wouldn't matter just when we needed it most, when we leave this life. But in fact, the Spirit inspired Paul to write, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So our hope is not merely for this life, it is for the next one as well. And that is as important as it is certain. If you were promised this morning that COVID-19 would be completely disappeared by the end of this week, that would be wonderful. If you were promised an inheritance or a prize that gave you a guaranteed income for the rest of your life, that would be great. If you were promised a, a happy marriage and healthy relationships and friends forever, that would be good news for your heart. But none of those promises, even if they came true, can compare to what Christ's resurrection from the dead means for you. As Paul made clear, Jesus did rise from the dead. And that is not just a happy event. It is the guarantee the guarantee that those who trust in him will also rise from the dead because he is just the first one. Because he washed away all our sins with his blood on the cross and conquered death with his resurrection from the tomb, everyone who follows him will also be raised from the dead and live with him and live like him. And this is the greatest and most important hope of all. Because it means that the things of this life cannot really hurt you. Everything that brings you stress or strain or pain or problems is only temporary. You can endure it with joy even because you have an eternal perspective you know that this life is, is but a, a wisp, a breath, compared to what awaits us in God's blissful, painless, and perfect paradise. Any tears that we shed today or tomorrow will be dried by our Savior in heaven. Which leads us to another elephant in the room. Farewells. The certain hope of our resurrection, because of Christ's resurrection, makes them different for believers. Because we know that whether we're watching a dear friend drive away or a loved one breathing her last breaths, 
we will see him or her again. If not here on earth, then for sure in heaven, where we will have eternity to spend together. For fellow Christians, our farewells are always confident, see you laters, and never despondent, I won't ever see you again, goodbyes. This is most certainly true. Count on it, because Christ can be counted on. Jesus did rise from the dead. Jesus is able and willing to to keep all of his promises. He is alive to do so. And he promises eternal life to all his people. So there is no need for uncertainty. Not about your health or your wealth, your present or your future, your, your job or your relationships. You have more than wishes, dreams, and desires to rely on. You have a risen Savior who is proof of God's power and love for you. He is your certain hope here and hereafter. Amen. Please rise. Now may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Alleluia. Amen.